And we are live. Uh, I'm going to give it 30 seconds a minute just to see, uh, wait for anybody that, that may wish to join the room and come and join what is hopefully going to be a bit of catharsis between myself and Jace. I mean, you're quite happy. You look quite happy, Jace. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I looked at this and I was like, I was all West Ham. I was negative, right? I was down. I, I, like, I think it have as much anger watching a Fulham game. It was more just, uh, I don't know, you know when you just know something's not going your way and you feel a bit more down but not angry? That's how uh, <laughs> that's how that game felt, right? Like we've, just we've beaten you down so much that you're no longer depressed. <laughs> you're just disappointed. Yeah, literally, literally. I mean, there was no attacking creativity, you know. It just felt like you're hitting a barn, you know, not hitting a barn door. We we couldn't, we weren't even taking shots to hit the barn door. But yeah. it was just exhaust of options, shall we say? Yeah. Right. Uh, we've given it a minute. I'll tell you what. So, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. For those that are joining us, you're watching or listening uh, to the Rip Run Reds podcast. My name is Grev, joined as ever by my co host, Jace. Uh, we have just watched Arsenal get, I don't know what the, what, what the word you could use. It's not obliterated because we certainly weren't played off the park, but uh, we weren't. What, what word did you use, Jace? Uh, humbled, maybe. Humbled. Humbled's quite good. I like that word. It's good. Yeah. yeah so Arsenal were, were humbled uh, to a 2 1 loss at Craven Cottage against Fulham. Um, and we're going to break down this match. We're going to talk about the ins and outs of this match. I've already left one of the banners up on the screen. So a little spoiler for you later on. Um, and we're going to firstly kick off with our introduction music and then we'll get straight into it. Right, yo. Uh, we usually start every single episode off with what is known as our Rip Run review. Tell you what, Jace, do you want me to go first? Because you always go first. I always hand over to you. Yeah, go on then. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Anybody else? Anybody fucking fuming? <laughs> I want to get out of the way. My my rip run review is going to be: Does this team know that they're losing? Does this team know that when they're in a match and they're they're two goals behind, that they're actually losing a match or one goal behind in the context of this match? It just felt really, really flat across the entirety of the pitch. And what really uh, kind of encapsulated all of that was the Saka's cross shot towards the end of the match where he was kind of found himself in some space and was kind of through onto goal. And you were thinking, ah, this, this could be the moment that kind of brings us back into the game. And it wasn't. And he just kind of fluffed his lines massively. And it was a real poor attempt at whatever it was. I can't really tell you what it was because it was neither a cross nor a shot. It was just weak and woeful. And I... For me, this match really did put into focus the fact that we we are not in a title race. I think you're going to say this: is that we, we it feels like we're kind of falling behind. It's amazing the how tight it still is. We we still are technically in a title race. We're, we're literally two points off, but obviously Liverpool could extend that gap um, tomorrow evening. But the fact is, this team just don't know 
and don't feel like they're in a in a title race. They don't feel like they care. They don't feel like they want it. It's not like last season whatsoever. And it really just just felt like Arsenal of old. I felt depressed watching this match. I felt I felt I was watching a car crash in slow motion, and I knew what was going to happen. I knew we weren't going to come into this match the same way that I knew we weren't going to come into the match against West Ham. Um, you keep on looking at that clock going, ah, we need a goal before 60 minutes. We, ah, we need a goal before 70 minutes. Oh, shit, we need a goal before 80 minutes. And then you're like, ah, oh, it's 89 minutes. We're not going to score now. And it's done. And, you know, put a fork in us. And I just, I came away from this really disappointed, really, really just empty, an empty feeling, which is so devoid of the feelings that we had last season. So I'm just, I just don't think this team knows what's what's happening at the moment. Really weak. Uh, I don't know how much more I can put emphasis on the fact that I'm disappointed. Over to you, Jace. I know yours is not going to be any more brighter or happy feelings than mine was. So uh, where's your written review going? So for me, I said the game is up. We're no longer in a title race. As you said, it's not unfeasible that we we still can't compete for a title, but it doesn't feel like it at the moment, as you said. Uh as a, you know, my, my, my thinking is, let's be very, very clear here, we're fighting for the top four. We really generally are now in a scrap for the top four. Look at the points on the table. Look at Spurs winning today as well. Um, it's very tight between five teams. We, we could we could risk falling out of the top four at this, at, at this stage. And with the investment we've made, with the progression we've made over the last few years, that would be disastrous. So we, we really need... Um, some alternative options we have no creativity today we had no plan b again we said that last game against west ham no plan b we had defensive errors and ultimately i'm going to use a a word that is controversial to arsenal fans because we we hated it being said but i'm going to say it today no cojones i saw no cojones to quote troy dini on the pitch right did you see those cojones no, i didn't i didn't see people battling like i didn't see you know, as, as Mikel would say, passion, aggression, all of these words he uses. I didn't see that today. I, and, and, and that was that really disappointed me. I know you're going to talk about January, but I, I really do think that we need to have a good January. My concern will be FFP. And I'd like to know your perspective when we get around to talking about January window. Um, because my question is, where do we actually go from here? I don't actually necessarily think we're going to do that much in January because of FFP. So I've got this kind of question which is like, where do we go from here after these results? So I, I don't see the direction at the moment. Um, these players look knackered. Um, however, I'm going to say one more thing. I'm going to... You've got some positivity, Jace, for us. Well, I'm going to read a text message that I received from our friend Spence just now. He remembers that in, against Blackburn, a 3-1 defeat in December '97. Um, and a poor run of form. We went on to have an unbeaten run of 20 games and won the league. So, I mean, thanks, Spence. Um, you know, that's uh, a positive vibe for us. But um, I'm going to apologise because I read that and now I've got blasting music coming through my headphones and I don't know where it's coming from. <laughs> well, he's more, he's probably, you're probably more depressed uh, reading that now. I, can can yeah. you see us going on a 20-game unbeaten run? Uh, I'd find uh, a very hard push for us to manage to achieve something like that, I would say. But yeah, it is what it is. Uh, nice spicy rip on review from you there, Jace. We're going to move on to our first topic of conversation, which is uh, we're going to probably look at 
what was our starting eleven, and maybe the the hope that the the starting eleven maybe brought uh, to the table. Some of us watching uh, that starting eleven get revealed at one o'clock probably looked at it and probably thought actually they were the right changes. So I'm wondering if that's what you thought, Jace. Jason, sound issues. I'll tell you what, I'll go, I'll crack on. So for me, I looked at this starting 11 and there was changes in this starting 11 that really did resonate with me and kind of made, made sense for us in some of the weaknesses that we'd had in the West Ham game in particular. We looked at Zinchenko, who got dropped, and Zinchenko getting dropped was probably the right thing to do. He's been pretty poor across the last few games with Tommy making the bench as well. Um, it meant that if we rolled out Kirior, who is pretty green, um, and we were having issues with him, we could swap him back out to Tommy. I would also say that I think that Enketia up top in this game in particular felt the right decision to me. Rest in Jesus, who had been pretty poor, and this feels like an Eddie Enketia type of game. And so I was pretty happy with the changes. Obviously, Havertz brought back in as well, and I think we missed Havertz's uh, physicality, his dual winning, his uh, battling in the middle of the park compared to, say, what Trossard brings to the table. So I was actually really happy with the starting 11 changes and actually think pre the game, these changes made sense. Are you alive, Jace? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what went wrong with my headphones. I've just given up. Oh. Um, so, yeah, the starting lineup, I was really happy with it. I, I, I kind of did a post just before. I was excited to see Habits back. I expected that change. Um because Trossard didn't play well against West Ham. I was really hopeful around Kivior because he has had signs at times when he's looked really strong defensively. But I, he he cannot he cannot play in left back in the position the way we want him to play. I think that was today. I, I was I don't know if I was proven wrong. You know, I don't know if I yet should be doing an apology to Zinni. Um, but Kivior didn't play well, and and we did improve with Tommy Asu coming in uh, in the second half. I think um, we have a problem if we if if we can't get our defence fit on a consistent basis. You know, Zinni had Car today. We had Tommy out. We've got um, Timber out. That's not going to help us because I feel like the lack of consistency in that space is is going to I mean, you're seeing it. We're letting in goals. Look at all of our set pieces. We'll talk about this. So those are the challenges there. And I think the starting XI changes at the, at the time felt very, very positive. I think the performance turned out to be, um, you know, uh, yeah, exactly. Um, Eddie, again, null and void. He didn't ha he didn't show up in the game. And I don't know if that's because he wasn't given the opportunity because the way we were playing, but he he, you know, made no impact. Well, let me, I, I want to, uh, the, the next segment that we had was actually called Defensive Nightmare. And it, it was at times, I think you, you called it out. And I just wanted to uh, piggyback off the the, the Kirior point that you're making. So Kirior obviously came in at left back. And when we've seen him play before, I don't recall him playing in exactly the same way that Shinchenko had played as that inverted left back. I've seen him play, I would say, more of a conventional left back, although he's, you know, and the commentators made a point of this. We pretty much played four centre backs. So obviously, Ben White is was used to be a centre back by trade and has now been converted into a right back. And, and you know, same as Kirill. But Kirill felt to me like a normal kind of left back, a more wing back style left back. And we were putting him into that position. And not to say he didn't do too 
too terribly in that position, but it, it was just his passing. His passing was really loose. It was really fluid. He kind of just gave the ball away too many times and he felt lost. And it felt like wheeling him out into this position, which he hasn't naturally played in a few games uh, against a, a relatively strong opposition. You know, Fulham aren't exactly a poor outfit. They can certainly, and they did do harm to us. So they're certainly better than us in this respect. But for me, yeah, Kirill was probably one of the weakest players of that first half. He didn't have the pace. He got beaten by, um, it might have been Cordova Reed or it might have been Rich um, uh, Robinson. Uh, but he was he was literally getting spun for pace at every opportunity. And he just felt like the game was passing him by, in my opinion. And he was certainly, I think, the we although all the defenders, I think, had a pretty poor game. I don't think anybody, yeah. you know, covered themselves in any sort of glory. Is there anyone that you want to specifically target, call out, have a look at, Jace? Ben Ben White for me was um, really poor uh, in in the first half, especially. Um, I don't know if that is because of Mikel and the way he's teaching the back four to play. We lost the ball a lot in midfield transitions, not in maybe Rice's space, actually more above, more in the Havertz and Odegaard space. We were losing the ball between them and Eddie. Uh, we lost them. We lost that three or four times, and as soon as Fulham took that ball and and moved forwards with it they they spread it out wide uh, so much that Declan was in a bit of a place where he he was in no man's land like the ball was one in front of him and he wasn't able to get to to that it was spread to the wings and when it got to the wings the the wingers on both sides were able just to push forward into acres of space both on Kivio's side and White's side you know, on white side, it was the first goal, right? Um, uh, which Jimenez scored. You know, we get we there was amples of space for him to get the cross in. It went across the box, and then Kivio wasn't marking on the other side. He wasn't marking uh, Jimenez um, at all. It was, called, um, it was called ball watching, I think, for that one, right? He kind of yeah, tried to clear it, but he fluffed his lines in, in incredibly. Yeah, but I, I have a bit of a problem with it because I, I when I watched West Ham, I saw kind of a similar thing where West Ham whipped that ball in for the first goal. I was on the side where Wright was, uh, White was, and he didn't, he wasn't able to block it. Um, that's two times now I've seen, and I, I and I, it was because, from my opinion, it's because they were so tight, they were so tight together, and they weren't out wide. Um, now, I think that's okay when you're playing a certain way, but when you can see how Fulham are playing, like. They're continually repeating it and repeating it and repeating it. So learn your lesson, adjust accordingly, react to how 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 a team is playing against you. Don't 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 suffer the consequence of it. Um, I feel like we're not learning our lessons there, and I think uh, you know two goals have come from Ben White's side in the last two games, and and that's impacting us. You know, I could say put Tommy Asu in at right back when Zinni's back. <laughs> you know, I, I, this is what I mean also about you know defensive injuries costing us um yeah but I, bet, I don't think i think ben has but some of, some of these players i mean i don't want to i don't want to call you out specifically but like some of those players that you mentioned that they're our first choice you know i yeah. know that we're saying yeah. maybe timber timber comes back but ben white would usually naturally be our probably our, first our right, right back, back. Yeah. yeah like you know kiwi and tommy asu have both been inverting left backs to cover zinchenko um even even Gabriel and Saliba in this match didn't necessarily 
you know, cover themselves in any glory whatsoever. Both of them, I mean, Saliba was probably lucky to get away with a yellow card towards the end of that match. I suppose he was Gabriel covering on the right-hand side. There was another one where he challenged, and although it, there was nothing in it, but my heart was in my mouth. When Saliba went down and kind of clipped, he tried to clear the ball, and I think he clipped the ankle of Cordova Reed, uh, and they were checking it. I don't think VAR checked it for any long period of time, but knowing our luck with kind of VAR decisions, my heart was in my mouth during that, thinking, here we go, this is going to be a penalty. Even though I think we saw one Villa got yesterday compared to the one that Jesus had against Liverpool that didn't get given. It's very inconsistent, but I suppose we got away with one. Um, but generally speaking, our defence has been poor now for quite a few games. Um, and it's really quite worrying because that was that was the thing that we had. We weren't very good up top, but we were slightly better at the back and we had the best defence at the time in the league about four to five games ago. That's now gone out the window. Liverpool are actually ahead of us in terms of defensive capability. And we feel like we're, we're not we're not only not, not conceding, we're also not scoring, which is a bad place to be in, right? Well, let me ask you a question. What's happening with our set pieces from a defensive perspective? Or our, not our set pieces, opposition set pieces. Because again, yeah. we were vulnerable there today. We were vulnerable against West Ham. I worry every uh, time now an opposition team gets a corner. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's weird you say that as well, right? Because we've obviously had a lot of commentators made a point about it. Arsenal statistics made a point about it. You know, we've, we've actually been pretty good at defensive set pieces. But this game and multiple games before it, I, I think, and I wrote this down, is communication. Our communication seems really poor at the moment. There's, you know, people leaving balls. There was balls that were loose and there, there's three players in between them and no one's picking it up because no one's talking, no one's communicating. It's partly, I think, Erdegaard, who plays a part in here, he needs to ensure that everyone is communicating and, and using the right verbiage. They, they they know who the person is commanding that box. And Declan Rice as well, because he is the, that type of player. You kind of expect it. But I just feel that we're really, we're just not communicating well enough. We're really weak at kind of defending set pieces and knowing who's the person that's going to step up and, and maybe make themselves count, right? Make a big header, make a big save, kind of big clearance. No one's really committing. And that, for me, is the weakest part. And I think um, we talked about it in a previous pod about Nico. That's our, our offensive set pieces. They're not as good either. Like I said, at the moment, it feels like we're losing the matches in both boxes rather than in one, which is which is a real big problem for us. Yeah, I, I, I worry also with the defensive set pieces. When we are conceding, it, it appears to me that we're not necessarily conceding from the core centre-backs. You know, the centre-backs have their players who, for each game, they've identified they're going to mark Saliba and Gabriel. You know, there are, it's probably, it usually goes centre-backs to centre-back, right? To your, to your rival centre-backs, so those are the biggest guys, most prominent, are going to come up for a corner. But what I've been observing is that it's not those particular duels that we're losing out on, if that makes sense. You know, Gabriel and Saliba are able to win their duels at set pieces, but other players are not. And that's where the, the concern is for me, because, you know, you can't just rely on two centre-backs to clear every single corner. Yeah, sure, when a ball's in play and a cross comes in, you if it's coming high, then yeah, you, you can definitely rely on Gabriel and Saliba. And I think that is their bread and butter. Um Anything coming across the box low is where it's risky to us. And anything that's coming into the box where we can't rely on them, but we need, you know, today I think it was Declan Rice 
headed it away, but he didn't really head it away. He just headed it back into the danger zone. I think it pinged off Gabriel. I think it pinged off Tommy Asso and then, and then sat up uh, for a Fulham player who got the goal. Uh, and and it's just, again, it's like a ping pong ball. It's like, how, how, I mean, I, I appreciate the ball was coming in at pace. It's moving. Um, and, and sometimes there's no time to control, but I mean, just someone put a foot through it. Just, I don't know. It, it, it just wasn't. I mean, you, you look by comparison to some of the set pieces that go like our set pieces, particularly our corners. We talked about this in the last game against West Ham. This one, we only had a few corners in this one. I don't think we got our first about the 60 something minute, but by comparison, our corners are, so bad they just don't beat the first man most of the time and, and if they do they're either far too deep or not in a dangerous area and every one that we seem to face they seem to just hit the money every single time it's in a in a dangerous area even if we're defensively headering that ball away it's in an area where anything can happen and that's where that free kick happened right it just went and it bounced around you just got a bit lucky it's fortunate but you know we, we should have we fluffed our lines admittedly we should have cleared it three times he had the opportunity to through like i said rice uh, Gabriel and Tomiyasu. Do you think that um, from an attacking perspective, it's the fact that players have cottoned on to Gabriel and Saliba and made them a bit null and void? Because they were scoring loads of goals last season from set pieces. I mean, there was one in here that Gabriel could have scored maybe at the back post as well. He, he, he almost got to it. Maybe you're right. And maybe you just put a few more men around them or you get really, really tight or you just uh, you kind of manage them out of the game a little bit. That's what, you know, we've seen some of the teams do that with the keeper. We stick a load of Raya doesn't seem very tall and very um, commanding in the box. We, we've, we've bought him or loaned him for the moment due to his ball playing ability and his distribution. We haven't necessarily signed him for his shot stopping or box commanding. And I think, like you say, maybe teams are abusing that fact um, as well. There's a couple of different problems. Yeah, it's interesting. We talk about Raya just as a quick point on his performance. Um at the beginning of the game, I was like, Raya, I, I thought he blocked a critical cross that Kivior let go. Uh, he then, from that cross, really quick distribution. Martinelli runs the pitch. Saka gets the shot. Um, um, sorry, gets the shot away and Saka gets the rebound. And it's a goal, right? Raya created that. So yep. that part of his game is exactly what we're paying that money for. Um, yep. He's he there. I thought he was having I thought he was having a really solid game. I think the commentator he, made, he, he did make a couple of good saves, and I don't yeah. necessarily think that he could stop either of the, sh the goals that they scored either. No, I thought he was one of our, I thought he was one of our best performers, to be honest today. Uh, and it's not often you say that about the goalkeeper, but if you are saying it about the goalkeeper, that's also a problem. Yeah, I mean, it shows that the, the lack uh, of everything else that we had across the pitch, which is where. We're kind of going to go with our, 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 our next topic because there's quite a few different players that you can fall into this bucket, and we really did lack spark during this game we were incredibly average really really poor across the park and lacked any form of creativity or invention across this team i don't know if it's one player if it's multiple players where do you want to go with this jace who do you think is going to be the person that you would say is the scapegoat for this game i mean two players that come to mind for me are saka and eddie I think Martinelli was significantly improved uh, based off what we saw in the West, or what I saw face to face in the, in the West Ham game. Eddie, um, two, 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 two main concerns of Eddie. Um, he is nowhere near as aggressive with his pressing and running that you see with Jesus. 
Um, so that ability to win that ball up the pitch wasn't happening. Um, and if he cannot get... Sometimes a striker needs to create the goal. Sometimes they need, you know, Haaland can create things out of nothing. And we don't, I know we don't have a Haaland. I know we don't have that kind of caliber of player. But I think Eddie got one service from Odegaard and he, he, he took a shot, he hit the side netting. He should never have been shooting from there anyway. He should have probably tried to cut it back. That was all he got all game. He was like, it was like he was on the pitch, but he wasn't on the pitch. Like, what? I, I don't know what he was doing today. Um, and you could say, well, that's because it's Odegaard's fault or, or Saka's fault because they're not giving him the service through the channels that he needs. And maybe that's the case. And, and I'll talk about Saka again as well as well in a second. But for me, I, I, we need more from him if he's going to start up front for Arsenal. Um, Jesus gives, gives us more, is it, more than Eddie. The difference is that Eddie's a much better goal poacher than and Jesus, and I think that that's a challenge, and I'm sure you'll you'll talk about this in the January window um, section that we need to talk about, and then Saka as well. Uh, just to add to it, uh, he was he's tired. He is tired. He West Ham. There was a couple of chances where we we, we touched upon. He wasn't he wasn't he lost the ball and he didn't even try to to, to run back. Um, and then today. I, I observed him trying things, but they weren't coming off. He was getting tackled on that wing, trying to take a tech player on. He was just like, usually he has just more mouse about him, more uh, tactical decision-making in the moment. And, and I just didn't see that today. I saw someone slower, uh, wasn't reacting as fast. And even when things were maybe going his way, he wasn't then taking the end product. You know, you mentioned the shot at the end of the game where it was like, critical moment and he, he he just made the wrong decision um did you see the uh the shot that he took blasted over the bar yep what was your what was your perspective on that because that i was i was very angry yeah i mean i mean i mean I've seen, there was a lot of them though during this game trotard had one towards the end like we're in the like 93rd minute or something and he's banging over i mean i i agree with everything you said I actually wrote a note to say, is Eddie Nketiah playing? Because I, I literally couldn't tell. There was no touches. There was no movement. There was nothing in his game that really sh showed that he was actually there. And, I, I you know, a, a lot of strikers get lambasted for the fact that they have to bring themselves into the game. And you know, like Jesus does, he brings himself back into the semi centre circle and wants to have the ball at his feet and kind of play some one-twos just to feel like he's getting a feel for the game. Eddie Nketiah didn't even do that today. And it was really, really, really poor. I, I actually disagree with you. I think Martinelli was also poor. I think although he was better, it's still not the Martinelli that we know and love and that we know and expect him to kind of achieve. And, you know, for me, there was still a lot of head down, running into blocked channels. There was still the step overs. And the, it, I really don't want to say this because it's going to sound awful. It's, it's Shades of Anthony sometimes in some of his play and it pains me to say it because when you're comparing him to you know an 80 million pound player that can score like one league goal a season then there's a problem um but he was bad so you know the front three and even when Jesus came on I wonder what you think it didn't feel much different to to Eddie Nketiah yes he brought himself more into the game but I don't think he really offered anything up top we were we were really poor in the second half. I think we had one shot 
So Martinelli, first of all, just touch on that. I think we need to maybe accept that he is not going to be the player that we thought he might be. Um, he's at a critical stage in his development. I think now where he should be improving, I I don't think that we, I think the Martinelli last year was better than the Martinelli this year. Um, I do think he had a better game than West Ham. You know, he created an opportunity for the goal, you know, that ability to take the ball from the halfway line and, and get into the box and get a shot away. Yes, it was, it was, it was in theory blocked and palmed away, but I felt Saka who got, who got the goal. There was a couple of chances where for me, he was, he was just making, he got to the byline to get try and get the ball in. He wasn't getting to the byline against West Ham. He was struggling. So I think it was a better performance. Uh, he, I didn't see him running into as many brick walls as, as I saw against West Ham. But I think what we can acknowledge is that maybe he isn't the starting left wing winger for the next three or four years. Maybe he is a good quality addition, like Liverpool have good quality additions. To come off the bench, and and he, and he used to do that. Remember, he used to come off the bench in the last twenty minutes. And that's and what we were saying. Like Trossard's been been good at right in the last well, uh, you know, uh, latter half of last season and some of this season, but not still not seeing it here. Came on today and didn't really do again very much. Yeah, I, and I think that you know both of them are good off the bench. Um, both of them can make an impact in games and change a game up. Um, but when they're starting and the game's not going away, that's a problem. And I, st- I genuinely think that, you know, we've said we need a Saka backup. Well, we need wingers that can play on both wings, first of all. We need this kind of diverse capability. And we need another starting winger. Um, uh, whether that's someone who can play on the right when Saka is, is clearly needs to be rested. Or whether that is when... When, when we need to have someone else start instead of Martinelli. Um, Jesus also, yeah, uh, not effective at all. Not, not No no impact in the game. Um, he kept trying again when he came on, come kind of drop, win the ball, but he dropped, won the ball, tried to move forward and instantly lost it multiple times. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, having him and Eddie on, in the, on, on the pitch, it changes the formation. We're playing a three at the back. We're kind of doing this kind of three-five-two kind of formation. I don't see that working. That we've done it twice like... now, right? Because obviously we did it against yeah. West Ham. They played both of them, and it doesn't. Nothing has happened with with both chances of trying it. So I don't know why we're doing it. I think it's kind of well. We don't have any. We've sort of kitchen sink for me. Yeah, it's kitchen sink. Yeah, kitchen sink. Exactly that. It's kitchen sink. It feels like we don't have any alternatives, so let's just let's just let's just chuck all the attackers that we have on and see. How, how, you know, at the end of the game, we had Reese Nelson, Trossard, and Jesus on, and we'd only taken Martinelli off, so we were playing with five attackers. We still, still can create anything. Still can create anything. <laughs> so I mean, that's yeah. uh, this was because I was going to call out on that point specifically, and it's a question to you. Now, Arteta. We, we've played a lot of teams that have low blocked against us. This was another one where they have all their men behind the ball and we go very sideways, 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 nothing doing. We keep trying it, keep trying it. We play one ball through, gets cut out, and then we start again. Is Arteta to blame for our inability to carve out opportunities through this because the team haven't been told a different system to approach, or is it the players? Um, I think everyone has to take responsibility 
first of all. It's not one person. But uh, when we look for the figurehead making the decision, yes, it is Arteta. Mm -hmm. And that's not a um, Arteta out statement. As I said last podcast, still believe he is 100% the right man for the job. Um, I'm a very big advocate of him. But as I said, previous podcast, we can critique him on his tactics and what we're seeing on the pitch. And in the last few games, uh, what I have seen is that he is coaching the team to continue to repeatedly try playing this way because he believes in numbers. He believes in statistics. And he believes that if you consistently get a certain volume of passes, you, know, you continue to control the game in a certain way, play a certain way, the volume of statistics means that the end outcome at the end of the season will be Arsenal. If if, our, if we hit our numbers consistently on average, that we'll be at the top. So but, basically, then he's money balling it. Yeah, but I I I and I, I I still look. I don't want anyone else managing Arsenal except Arteta. What I do want to see is him as a young coach to still continue to develop his identity and what decisions he needs to make. And if I was him, and I'm sure I'd like to think he is, is I'd be pushing like hell for a Ivan Tony, Olivier Giroud style striker, um, because that's the only way you can change up. You either you we either go, you know, this is like old Arsenal, you know, like when we just had a bunch of short players. Period before we had uh, Olivier Giroud, we played with a number of short forwards um very barcelona style it feels like we've gone back to that kind of identity a little bit um with the kind of need to be uh very i think the right word here but we're very we're, we're very short passes twists turns very tick-attacker style get the ball to the byline cutbacks for goals you know we don't shoot from outside the area we don't, you know, because the percentages tell us that those shots, you know, you know are, are wasted. Yeah. Only a very small percent of them goes in. So it just looks like we're controlling the game, even when we're losing. It looks like we're controlling the game. And all you're seeing is pass, 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 along from one side to the other, one side to the other, back by the defender, one side, one side. And there's no hole because the team's just playing a low block. The different, the different tactic is then put it in the mixer. We tried it against West Ham and we said, we didn't put it in the mixer really today, I noticed. And I think that's because we tried to put it in the mixer against West Ham when we ran out of ideas. And I think we maybe come to the conclusion that we don't have... A, but you a you maybe could have today, though, right? Because you had Havertz and Nketiah, who both didn't play, Could are tall guys. They're not They're not like uh, short kings. But I agree with you. Like you say, we, we, it's, a good, it's a good point. I know that everyone's culpable in terms of blame. Um, I'm just trying to look across and kind of say, like oh, we talked about maybe many pods ago, that this team have been coached to oblivion in terms of the way and the system that they play. And I do feel that some of our players are now coached within an inch of their life in terms of decision-making so that they, they know how to play, but that's all they know. If they were to move away from that system and try something different, I think there'd be a lot of kind of, uh, you know, blame put on their doorstep from Arteta. Because like you say, I think he is probably moneyballing the statistics in terms of trying to figure out exactly what what we're going to do to open up teams. Yeah, and, and there's such a thing about statistics at the moment. And I do 
appreciate the value of statistics and but the same way i'm also you know i grew up watching arsene wenger football in the in the late 90s and early noughties and for me it's i i i still believe that there's an element of art to the game um and and statistics doesn't rule everything yeah fair um, we're going to move back from probably our front three lacking spark to maybe some some woes in our midfield. Um, I know that you've got some points to make about uh, what was probably be our best player this season in Declan Rice. Um, he, I feel he, he came across in the West Ham game as probably his worst game in an Arsenal shirt. You didn't necessarily disagree, Jace, but I think you've maybe got some points to make on his performance in this game in particular. Well, I, I don't feel he was able to make an impact um, in the transitions. Uh, I don't necessarily think it was his fault, let's be clear. Um, as I said, I saw Fulham winning the ball back a lot in their own half. That fell between Odegaard, Eddie and Havertz. It fell in that area, kind of in just outside the box. We Three or four times, we lost the ball. Fulham gained play. And as soon as the Fulham midfield drove forwards, they moved it out wide. The challenge here for Declan was that he was then out of the game because he's not... He he he's the he is his job is to be, you know, the defensive midfielder to be the lowest sitting midfielder and out out of the three, and so when when Fulham won the ball back in front of him, he's in this kind of no man's land as a result, um, and then they instantly whip the ball out wide, which is what they were doing, especially in the first half, three or four times it led to three or four attacks down both flanks for Fulham and crosses that came in, one resulting in a goal. He's just not able to make that impact. And I don't know if that's his fault, whether he should be more reactive and pushing forward as soon as they win the ball, pushing forward sooner to try and block those balls out to the wing. Um, or or whether it's just more that it's 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 the front of the upper mid, call it the upper, the, the eights in the midfield to to not lose the ball in the first place and put us in a vulnerable position where we're on the back foot. Um, either way, there's a challenge with the midfield. Um, area and and losing possession of the ball in vulnerable places that creates transitions and puts us on the back foot. That's what I observed today, and I think that's the midfield problem that I think we need to we need to solve that. I think that is also how West Ham created a few of the chances against us, right? Because they didn't have many; it just came out of nowhere. Um, I, I would feel that Fulham had more of the game than West Ham did in that respect, yeah. although the scoreline doesn't necessarily reflect it. Um, I wondered, and I know that we, we maybe briefly touched upon this earlier on, you talked about Shinchenko. Do you feel that not having that extra layer of protection that, that um, Bryce necessarily has with Shinchenko, like I say, Kiwi or naturally um, doesn't play in that position. And I think Tommy has only literally come back from injury. So I do think we maybe missed some of his um, protection and creativity in the midfield because we, we mainly just call out his defensive you know, inability. We don't necessarily call out that maybe this is something we were just missing in the midfield as well. I don't know. I mean, my question is, if he had been in the left back playing in, in the midfield, would we have still been vulnerable uh, to some of the attacks that came down the left flank that Kivior was subject to? Um, and that's a hard question to answer, to be honest, Grev. Mm. Uh, I, don't, I, I guess I don't see... I see Zinni's attributes in the midfield in the forward moving creativity that he creates i don't i don't necessarily think that he uh his defensive attributes are, are what brings value i think the there could be 
a difference if we played a double pivot in the the defensive midfield area opposed to a single pivot with two two attacking midfielders, which is how we've been playing. So maybe if if Party was playing alongside Declan, then we might see a, a different kind of performance because he actually helps us move transitionally through um, moving forwards and backwards, Party. Yeah. And I think we missed ah. that today. Yeah, I mean, thinking we're, we're like never gonna. Never going to see that. Maybe we'll see, but I, I can't see it on the cards at the moment. I think party, like you said, and me, you've said it before. I think is it's kind of done. Um, would you say? I know that, like you say, midfield. One of the things that I did pick up on that Fulham did really, really well that we just couldn't seem to create. And maybe you you have a a view on this. Whenever they got the ball, like you say, in transition, they were able to run with it at us quite often. They were able to drive through the midfield and kind of run at our defensive midfielders and our centre-backs. We we never, from what I can recall during any of this match, were able to drive at their players at all. Sometimes you might see a Declan Rice run through the midfield, try and, you know, commit defenders, try and make them make a tackle. None of that. Fulham just seemed to have a lot of time and space on the ball. And we seem to allow them just to do it. And, like, maybe we rely too heavily on the fact that we think we've got a good defence and, you know, the, the law of averages and statistics would say that we probably don't at this very moment in time. Would you say there's anything in that? Because we just didn't seem to want to have the ball at our feet and drive forward. Well, we're just not that kind of team. Let's just be frank. Let's be very clear about it. When we have the ball at our feet, we play an, let's call it an artistry style of football. Um, it's very rare in the last few games that I have seen us drive forward in a way in which we can counter-attack the opposition. We, we do a lot of build-up play um and 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 try and find the hole i would prefer a more direct approach at times i would love to see a declan driving forwards uh a winger running in and him finding the hole and putting a winger through on goal or for a winger to then cut back to a striker um we're not we're not doing that kind of football i don't think that the way that we're set up to play supports that we we have a style we know what that style is and when teams play low blocks, we can't break it. The difference was today is that I just feel like there is a lack of energy. Mikel said, look, I've made these three changes because I need to put some more energy into the team. Well, for me, that energy wasn't there. Um, said, if he's saying that the team is tired, then that showed today. Um, we didn't we didn't have that 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 capability. And I think that that is why we saw a lot more domination from an opposition side when usually it would be us holding the possession. I think we still had a lot of possession in the second half um, because we were trying to find an equaliser. But in the first half, I think the, the, the possession was very heavily favoured in Fulham's side. Uh, there was a lot of times when we were sitting back around our box and they were playing it around. Um, then when we did get the ball, move up the field, as we say, we lost it in transition. Yeah. Uh, last, I'm going to move on to the last segment. and I, I, This was something that I wanted to add and kind of talk a little bit. We talked massively on the last pod about uh, the, the January window becoming more and more expensive. I just wanted to call yeah. out, and I don't know if you saw the same thing that, that I did, but Raul Jimenez is obviously uh, came back into this Fulham side. I think he was suspended and he bullied us. Absolutely bullied our, our centre-back pairing. He found himself in lots of great positions. He was able to hold the ball up. He was able to score. 
Um, and it really, you know, Raul Jimenez is, is a good striker. He's a good option as a striker, not for us in particular. I don't think he's the level of quality that Arsenal kind of need. But what I'm calling out here is that it shows what a good striker in a team can achieve and can do. He, if you were to look here and say which one of these strikers should play for Arsenal compared to Eddie Nketiah, Jesus or Jimenez, you'd be saying Jimenez. He put in a proper striker's performance and proper did us a number here today. And it really did put a, a real lens of focus for me on the fact that that is our biggest problem. You know, we, we can let in goals. Every team, this is what Liverpool used to do. Liverpool knew that they weren't good at the back. They weren't defensively capable, but they just knew they were going to score more than you. We're going, to, we're going to accept that we're going to let in one or two. We're going to score five. Don't worry about it. And that's kind of where I feel that we need to head because defensively, although we did get better and we're more resolute towards the, the start of the season, we certainly haven't at this moment in time. And it's becoming more and more apparent now because of the fact that we're not scoring. And, and Jimenez really did put in a good performance today. And I wanted to give him his flowers. Yeah, he. I mean, he. I think he always turns on against Arsenal, especially ever since he had that head injury with David Luiz. Uh, I think that was during the COVID times, right? He had that head, head injury. Um, I feel he does always turn it on against Arsenal. I also feel there's been many rumours throughout the years of him actually coming to Arsenal and they, those never came through. So I feel like he's always got a point to prove against us. He always seems to turn it on. Um, today he was an excellent performance. I think he showed... He, his good performance with Fulham showed the vulnerability and flaws in our attack, as you say. Um, and and all I want is a big man up front. I don't. I'm not saying that we have to start every game with with a, a big dominating centre forward up front. You know, a Giroud or or Ivan Tony. We don't have to do that every game. We need to pick and choose. Um, we we know we can play without that, but we need. We need different options. We need more than just plan A. We need a plan B. We need a plan C and that ability to change up. And I think, you know, his performance today by Jimenez just kind of showed that floor for us that we don't have that and we need it. 100%. So what's happening? What's happening in general? Well, I, this is the thing. I, this is the thing. I, obviously, there's been some some rumours hiding up about you know how much money we might have, what deals we might want to get done. Ivan Tony seems to be the only one that has any legs to it. But the fact of the matter is, is that we'd have to sell some players in order to free up some funds in order to achieve that deal anyway. And I I just can't see Arteta doing a short term a short term deal. I I think he will keep his powder dry until the summer. Um, which is a shame, but maybe it's it's the the right answer. We talked before of saying that, you know, are you going to put all your eggs in this basket to win the league? Is the striker the problem? Maybe it's not. You know what I mean? Like, may, we might sit here in these chairs and do these reviews and do these podcasts and think that we've got the answers. We're not professional football coaches, unfortunately. He, he obviously knows a lot more about it than, than we do, and I just can't see us doing that deal and thus, maybe you're right, a top four battle is where we're at, not a Premier League battle. And, you know, take the Champions League, Jace, is what you'd say, right? I mean, I, I genuinely still think, you know, the Champions League is our best option because of how much space European sides leave at the back, which we can we can capitalise on. They don't double up on our, on our wingers. Um, so, yeah, still genuinely believe the Champions League is our best, is our best option. I, I get your point that, you know, we are not experts, but I would say, okay, forget that. What do we actually want 
what do we actually want to see happen in January? Because if we look at last year, we came five within five points of beating City. Uh, we, we were so close to them at the end and we flumped it against teams like Forest. And who else did we lose to? Uh, we did three draws on the trot, two against West Ham, yeah, two against lost to Brighton. Lost to Brighton. Like we were we were so close. And that was because yeah, okay, we didn't have party and, and we didn't have Saliba um in some of those games. But at the same time, also we weren't scoring. Um and and last year we said let's keep our powder dry. We bought Trossard, which was a good signing at the time, over Mudrick. That looks sensible now. But we also bought Jorginho instead of Caicedo. And um, now I look back at that and I go, we kept, basically, we kept, as you call it, our powder dry. And I would have given anything to win the league last year. So we're in the same position again to win the league this year. I know we kind of feel like we're in a title race at the moment. We're in a top four battle. Let's forget about the title. We're in a top four battle. Um, but if we have the opportunity to win the league, we don't know how often we're going to have the opportunity to win the league. Surely you just go for it now, right? Learn your lessons from last season. You just go for it. That's where I'm at with this. And I, I see us needing a winger. I see us needing, I see us needing Ivan Tony. I don't know if there's another for you know Jimenez. If we you know we're fine, go buy Jimenez. You know if that's something different. I mean maybe his profile doesn't fit us anymore. Maybe he's too old. Um, but I, I, I'd go out and try and win the league this year. But if 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 not, you know we might not be in another title race next year. It's another year for Chelsea to get this stuff together. Man United hopefully it'll take them a lot longer. Um, but Tottenham are coming together. Aston Villa are coming out of nowhere. Newcastle could come back. Like it's always going to be tight. Now it's just the way the Premier League is. It is the it is the European Super League, if you will. So I want us to spend our money um, as a fan. I think we should learn our lessons from last year. Because if if we don't, then we're basically admitting that we're going to try and get to the end of the season with the squad we have. We're going to try and get in the top four. We're going to try and win the league. But we 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 have concerns, we know what the risks are, and then we're going to try again next year. And what we, I mean, that's repeating, you know, we talked. I no, no, yeah, it's history repeating and stuff, and bang your head against the wall. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't, yeah, I can see both sides of the story. Um, ultimately, it's a business at the end of the day, and so finance is going to, we're not Chelsea, we're not City. We are going to obviously play within the playground that we've been confined to. And that may also force our hand in some respect to some of the deals we can and cannot make. We'll see. I just, it'd be, it'd be surprising to see it. But remember, if you talk about last January, right, Jace, if we didn't keep our powder dry, we wouldn't have got Declan Rice. And if you look at Declan Rice versus Caicedo right now. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, that's fair. So, that's fair. Um, Right, that leads us into uh, the end of our show. Uh, we're going to go into the parking lot, which is where we talk about some extracurricular stuff before Jason or I have anything. Just want to say, if anybody is watching this live on YouTube, feel free to give us a subscribe and give us a like, uh, send in a comment if you have. Um, really, really appreciate any support that you have for the channel as we continue to grow. Um, I'm also hosting this live on X. So, uh, yeah, if you want to write us anything on X, then please uh, do that as well. 
Um, Jace, we're actually going to, I just even realised this, we're going to a game on Sunday. Uh, it's yeah. Arsenal versus Liverpool in the FA Cup. Um, we're going to the game. Uh, what, <laughs> coming off the back of two pretty poor performances, what are you expecting walking into this game? I reckon we'll turn up because um, it's Liverpool at home. We can't t- we tend to turn up for big teams at home, and I think we will. Ironically, I don't actually think if you could say right now you've got to be careful with selective with the games that you play till the end of the season. I don't really want us to go far in the cup if it means we don't go far in the Champions League or we don't compete for a league title. Obviously, every you know the fan says any cup's a good cup, and you should never not. You know you shouldn't disrespect the FA Cup, and no, I don't. I love the FA Cup, but genuinely, I look at the state of the squad right now, injuries, the fatigue, and I go, what's actually best for the squad? I would say uh, that we, you know, the FA Cup isn't the number one priority of the three uh, competitions that we're still in. But off the back of two bad results, I guarantee we turn up. If we don't turn up, then there is genuinely a problem. These aren't just two bad results and we're tired and fatigued. I think there's genuinely a problem. Yeah, it turns into a run of poor, poor performances, not just blips on the on the season. Um, you're right. I, I think we have to turn up. I don't think we can throw this away like we maybe throw away the League Cup or other perform- like uh, other competitions in the past. We have to. This is our cup as well, right? This is the one we win. This is the one we've got history in. This is the one that it, our club is steeped all over. Um, and to put in a performance against the Liverpool side with their tails up at the moment will also help in the long run. So I think we're going to have to. Whether or not we do, we'll have to wait and see. Um, what do you think the score is going to be, Jay? Score on. 2-1 Arsenal. If we're going to win. Look at that. 2-1 Arsenal. Uh, yeah, probably. probably. I'm going to go one nil, one nil Arsenal. Why not? Nice. If you're not, if you don't want to beat Liverpool, who do you want to beat? Uh, one uh, last thing. On. I had one last thing. You seen Thomas Party's not going to Afcon? I saw on the they had their 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 kind of Twitter graphic of their squad, and I saw his name wasn't on the list. But I thought that was just for a friendly, or is that the actual full? For the tournament? What, the, what I saw on a spread was the squad list. I might be wrong. But I mean, I kind of hope that's true. That may, may have some genuine positive uh, actions as a result. But I mean, I guess we'll wait and see. Yeah, I told that. I mean, Tommy Athu will obviously be going to the Asia Cup as well. There was a bit in this game towards the 80th minute where he got tackled and was down on the ground. And I was thinking, oh, no, we haven't, have we? We just wheeled him out for this game and then he's been injured again. But he seemed to get up and be all right. So hopefully, I, I prefer if, if Arteta learned a bit of the dark arts that we said before and maybe said he was injured and couldn't go to the Asia Cup and could keep him here. But obviously, that doesn't look like that's going to come to fruition. I think we start need to start starting wing-backs in wheelchairs. <laughs> might need bit. to at this rate. Uh, uh, we might actually get a result if we do that. Yeah. yeah. Less than there. Right? Uh, yeah. Right, we'll hopefully uh, be back, depending on what time we get back from the game. We'll have to wait and see what uh, reflections we can have on the Liverpool game. But thank you very much uh, for joining us. Anything else to add to the parking lot, Chase? No, nothing for me. Uh, everyone have a happy new year. Um, let's hope for a good result against Liverpool and everyone have a good week. Yeah, I mean, I forgot it's new year. Totally forgot. Are you doing anything special, James? No. Not even a Chinese? <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, no. I don't do Chinese, mate. You know, pizza or anything. Pizza. I can't wait for my Chinese. It's the thing I've been most looking forward to all day. <laughs> it's going to help me uh, cheer up from this result. <laughs> right. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Well, thank you all very much uh, for joining us. Uh, we will see you uh, again next week. Yeah. Up until then, uh, up the gunners. Cheers, guys. Have a good one. Come on, you!